Welcome to Fly on the Wall Podcast. I'm your host, Chris Songson, CEO and founder of Church Boom. Here you get to sit in on a live coaching session as I coach pastors through the ministry challenges we all face. If you find this podcast helpful, please make sure to like, subscribe, and share. Another great episode with my good friend, Alex Lara. He is a pastor of a great church in Texas. And today we're talking about dealing with personal crisis. As leaders and pastors, we deal with personal crisis, but how do we deal with it? How do we get through it? And so I think you're going to really enjoy today's coaching conversation. Man, how can I help you today? What's uh, what's on your mind and how can I serve you? So a few questions. I, I was watching one of the Fly on the Wall podcasts and um, you had mm-hmm. talked about steps that uh, we should take with another pastor on how to... Um, if you're adding a second service, you know, the steps that you take to yep. make sure that it's a successful launch. However, yep. um, you're going to answer also, but I guess y'all didn't run out of time. What are the steps and strategies you should do afterwards to sustain and also create, build on the momentum that you already have? So that being said, it's it's kind of, without the sound too churchy, it's in season for me uh, because we're launching, because of our sustain growth uh these past couple of six Mm -hmm. months we are launching a second service starting on easter um so i have been following all the steps that you've been mentioning including Mm -hmm. creating two lists of the 9 30 and the 11 a.m people but right uh and having those uh lunch those kind of rally them up um but so my question is what about the aftermath of a second service how do you sustain that momentum and build on that after you've launched yeah. it. Well, first of all, that's awesome that you're going to a second service. I love it, dude. And uh, I've spoken at your church, and uh, I, uh, man, you got a great church. You got great people. Uh, but I think it's awesome that you're launching a second service, dude. That's really, really cool. The, uh, um, the thing that I would encourage you to do is I, I talk about that following 90 days or maybe up to four or five months. So you're launching in April, uh, the second service, correct? So it's like the second week of April or something like that is yes, Easter, sir. somewhere around there. And so, you know, you've got the rest of April, you've got May, maybe the first part of June, and then July hits. You know, July and August are always interesting. Uh, but you've got yourself a good, solid, you know, 60 to 90 days. So the question is, what can you do during those, let's call it 90 days, what can you do in those 90 days after the launch? So you have leading up to the launch, then you launch that second service, then that's that 90 days after that launch. And that's where, if I were you, I would try to figure out, okay, how do I take those 90 days, which are 12 Sundays, how do I take those 12 Sundays to sustain some sort of momentum um, to make sure that critical mass is happening in both services. So I would flip back and forth between um, something for the adults that would be attractional and something for children that would be attractional. Because I think you have quite a few kids in your church, or am I wrong about that? I, I thought you did, uh, if I remember right. Or, or a Latino um, church. There's always a lot of Oh, yeah. Well, then there's... <laughs> <laughs> More kids than congregation. No. <laughs> That is awesome. All right, so uh, so what I would do is um, is you think about like, okay, there's 12 Sundays. So here's Easter. What do you do in that first Sunday after Easter? What's happening? What's the draw? 
What's the thing that would both be a draw to people that are at the church, but also maybe a draw to the community through some social media ads that you could do? Then maybe that would be for the adults, or maybe that would be for the children. Maybe that would be something like it's Superhero Sunday for the children, or it's Breakfast Cereal Sunday for the children, or it's Petting Zoo, or it's Reptile Sunday, or whatever it is that you do. But what you're looking for is like, what is it that creates the excitement of like, okay, it's the week after Easter. Okay, what are we going to promote? Then, then what I would try to do is I would try to do six things inside of 12 weeks. Every other Sunday following Easter. So maybe adult, children, adult, children, adult, children. Uh, and it could be, you know, again, the children part is usually easier than the adult part. But it could be the lunch trucks. It could be, you know, party, you know, uh, after party. Uh, we're having after parties or we're having some sort of guests or we're doing something that people actually care about. And then we're doing that for the children as well. So you got to think about a lot of people think lunch and then they take a big sigh of relief when that launch is over at, you know, one in the afternoon on Sunday. I'm like, mm, no, the real <laughs> that was one thing. Now phase two starts. How do we keep that momentum going? When you are targeting the children, though, um, man, sell, send out mail pieces, even snail mail. Snail mail works for kids. It doesn't work for adults, but it works for kids because kids like to get mail. So it's like Reptile Sunday to all the kids. So if I were doing it, say you got Easter Sunday, Monday, you're dropping a postcard to all the kids on the mailing list about Reptile Sunday the following Sunday. Because if they get a piece of mail, a kid, eight years old, gets a piece of mail, it says Reptile Sunday, and he gets a piece of mail, and he or she never gets mail, parents are coming to church that Sunday whether they like it or not, because the, the kids are going to nag them. And that's what you're looking for. So you only need three things for the adults, three things for the kids. That makes six. Spread that out over 90 days every other week, and see if it helps you create and sustain momentum. Awesome. Making Yep. <clears throat> yep. Take the notes. Real good. Sunday. Yeah. Make sure yeah, we yeah. have a. There's all sorts of there. stuff you can do. <laughs> <laughs> you can do it. The kids are the easiest ones, yeah. man. But just just think about that. Just remember, hey, launch day does not mean over. Launch day just launch yeah. day. All that does is just put you into phase two. Got you. So thank you for answering that. Um, yeah. My next question is. Got to, if you could contextualize my situation. Yeah, it's it's more on on time management, <clears throat> but if you were a pastor mm -hmm. of, let's say, a, a church of close to two hundred, um, right now, how would you manage your time between sermon prep? If you're a full time pastor of a church of two hundred, how would you manage your time between sermon prep, leadership development, um, developing other key leaders? meetings, um, et cetera. Yeah. Well, uh, Alex, I don't know if you've done this before, the exercise, but it, uh, some of the stuff you just mentioned is in that mission critical. But I think what's most important, people always ask how to manage the time or where should I be spending my time or um, what do I do with all these 19 things I have going on? But they don't know what is truly mission critical. Mm. Oh, everything, everything can't be mission critical. Every, there's a lot of things that are important, but it doesn't mean that they're mission critical. And I've done 
several mission critical sort of teachings, if you will, but the simple way of saying it is, what are the top three or four things that you need to be focused on and spending your time on? What are the top three or four things is like, man, <clears throat> above anything else, I got to spend time on these. Whatever those three or four things are, try to put about 70% of your time towards it. And then the rest of your time is on the things that are not mission critical. Okay, that's the second phase. The third phase is take everything else that's not mission critical and to the best of your ability, eliminate, delegate, or automate. And that will help cut down your time. You're going to eliminate altogether, you're going to delegate it, or you're just going to automate it. So that's going to be an important part of it. So a lot of guys are like, ah, yeah, I got all this stuff going on and I don't know where to spend my time. Uh, should I do this or should I do that? The bigger question is uh, not that you have all these things going on. Who doesn't? Yeah. What you, what you, what you, but you have to know where you're spending your time. Because if you don't know where you're spending your time and you don't know what is truly mission critical, you will always respond to the urgent over the important. You'll always respond to the urgent over the mission critical. Whatever is urgent is getting your attention tomorrow morning. And it can't always be that way. You've got to find like, okay, I am I'm the communicator of the yep. church. So that's sermons, that's social media, that's whatever it is. I am the leadership developer. Okay, how much time am I really, truly, genuinely spending time developing leaders? I mean, really. Not a once-a-month meeting for two hours. Okay, well, if you work 40 hours a week, that's 160 hours a month. Uh, so two hours, that's not even 10%. Uh, not even 5% of your time. So how much time is really going to developing leaders? Okay, then how much time is going to strategy development? That's another important thing. Like, okay, all things, okay, leadership pipelines, generosity ladders, um, church growth strategies. Like, how much is going to actually building out strategies and systems that are going to move us forward? How many hours do I actually really, truly give to that? And what you'll find is people spend a lot less hours than they, than they realize on the things that really matter the most. Thank you for answering that. Those are the things that I would And, and the reason why I... That makes sense. Yeah, it makes a lot of sense. And, and the reason why I ask this question is usually like when I meet a pastor that I'm inspired by, uh, I'll ask him like sermon prep. You know, I mean, how much time do you spend in sermon prep? And uh, mm -hmm. they'll be like three hours or four hours, you know, and they'll have like this massive ministry, you know, like how in the world does that even. And this is not like a. Um. Mm -hmm. What do you call it? This is not even, uh, this has been like numerous people that I've asked at very high levels. And I understand the the, the context is different. Right. It just always right. intrigues me. I was like, man, maybe should I spend less time in sermon prep and maybe more time in developing uh, strategy development or church growth? It's just, uh, I'm always perplexed how I can spend nine hours, you know, and then you here you come, you ask the pastor and like, well, you know, maybe like three hours, four hours, I kind of. Uh, but keep in mind, I have a deeper well to draw from or, you know, they'll kind of mention something. Yep. Yep. Yeah. Well, you know, and I, I can't speak for that. And I don't, you know, whether someone does three hours or eight hours, it, I mean, you know, everybody's different, yeah. whatever. But I do think you do have to know, like, what do you title it? Like, okay, man, I'm, I am the communicator of this yeah. church. Okay. What does that mean? And how much time do I spend? I am right now as a church of 200 or less, I'm the one that's developing most of the strategy. So what does that look like? Well, I got a creative team. I meet with, 
I got a strategic team that I put together that thinks about strategy and development. I have a coach that I talk to. I've got the, okay, then what about this over here? So you have to know like the three buckets. I call them buckets. You can call them lanes, whatever. Where are my three buckets? And am I spending, truly spending 60, 70% of my time in those buckets every single week? Uh, the things that are most important, the things that are mission critical, the things that are going to push us forward. Got it. So that's the things you got to be thinking about. That's where you got to be spending your time. And if you don't, I'm telling you, I have said it, I just said it on a podcast a week or two ago. If you don't assign your time, something else will assign mm. it. It'll always get assigned to someone else's urgency, someone else's important, someone else's problem, someone's issue, someone's this, that situation, the problem at the bank, the problem with the roof, the problem with the yeah. <laughs> HR, the problem with accounting. You got to start assigning your time and going, look, these things are important, but these three things, they get 70% of my work week because they are the things that need to move us, that are called to move us forward. Okay. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, and by the way, for anybody that's watching, I do, and I sincerely mean that the, the success that we have seen in these past couple of months has been a lot through the cohorts uh, that have been a part with Church Boom. Oh, so I awesome. just started coaching yeah. uh, last month, um, but still, oh, awesome. uh, yeah, personal coaching, but that, 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 that cohort, man, for any pastor that's watching this, you definitely, and you're struggling or have these same type of questions, definitely to, uh, to get involved in that. And... Yeah, well, I appreciate you saying that. We've uh, we just had another eighty churches join in, and uh, that are like, "Hey, man, give us some help," you know. And so, yeah, people go to churchboom.org, they can get into a free cohort, and it helps. But I think that's what you know. That's what we should be doing as pastors yeah. and leaders. Our job is to grow and get better, so we can lead this thing called the the kingdom of God. And uh, our job is way too important. Our job is the most important job on the planet to not get all the help, training, advice, coaching that we can give. There's just, it's too important. Yeah. Uh, so anyway, what else you got, man? How else is going to help you? So this last one's a little bit heavy, a little bit personal. Yeah. And, and it has yeah. to do with um, just advice on healthy coping mechanisms for pastors and um, my mm. wife that are going through traumatic experiences. Um, here's what I mean by that. Um, my, my daughter was born with a tethered cord. Something similar to mm. spinal bifida, but it's not spinal bifida. Long story short, um, she's going to have to go undergo an invasive spinal surgery um, pretty much whenever we're ready uh, because of that spinal cord mm. is not corrected. Eventually, it may or may not, eventually could cause problems with her walking, severe pain, mm -hmm. uh, you name it. Anything that's neurological, mm -hmm. it, could, it could affect it. Um, Wow. So obviously this is, is our first child. This is very uh, traumatic for both of us. So uh, my question is, what are some, you know, healthy coping mechanisms that we could grieve, that we can cope with this? Because it's something that we're going to, we're going to have to face pretty soon, you know, um, with this surgery. And, mm. and I know it's, it's hard for me, but it's, it's, it's been mm. very hard on my wife, you know, and mm. um, for many pastors, it's, you know, different story, but the same, you know, how do you deal with something that's very traumatic, uh, yeah. like this for us? Well, you say, man, my wife's feeling it a little more or she's, you know, it's, it's a little heavier on her, however you want to say that. What would be the, um, how does that interpret? So it's heavy on her and heavy on you because, okay, it's my daughter. Yeah. 
Okay, it's heavy on me because, and I'm not saying you're doing this, because I'm questioning God. Someone might say that. It's heavy on me because I, so what is the because for you? Uh, Well, for me, is just the pain of seeing, a little bit more context. So we, we, we tried to have our first child a couple of years ago, and that, that didn't happen. We lost the first child. So kind of just going through the, we're still grieving mm. through that. And then having this happen two years later after mm-hmm. going through all the, the trauma, it's kind of just, you know, opening those scars that were once were wounds and kind of reopening them again for me. And having mm-hmm. to see my daughter is like, mm-hmm. wow, mm-hmm. you know, such a beautiful child, so innocent, you know, then having to go through this. That's for me, the pain. And then, sure, and then having sure. to see my wife, you know, go through that because she was the one that was carrying, you know, the other child and, and, and so on. And having to see, yep. I could see yep. how. It's kind of like she was just coming out of the previous loss and then now having to to deal with, with this. It kind of, once again, like me, yeah. turns those scars, kind of ripped them open into kind of wounds again, you know? Yeah, yeah For me, no. I guess this is our because. Well, yeah, no, no, I get it. Um, and I, 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 let me say first and foremost, I'm not I'm so sorry that you're going through it. I really am. I mean, that's rough. How old is she? She's 37. Your daughter? Oh my god! <laughs> it's thirty-seven. I'm like, wow, dude, you, you, you look yeah, great. Early. <laughs> uh, Seventeen months. <laughs> hey, well, well, there we go. One of the healthy coping mechanisms is laughter. <laughs> I'm like, wow, you have a thirty-seven-year-old daughter. <laughs> you look amazing. <laughs> So, uh, well, first of all, let me just say, wow, I mean, it's heavy, 17-month-old. Well, it doesn't really matter how old. The daughter's your daughter, and it's rough no matter what, for sure. Secondly is I am not at all a, any sort of pro-therapist or anything, but I can tell you, uh, not at all. So I can just tell you that I've walked through this with various people, different things, pastors. Um, and uh, I've walked through some things in my own life. Uh the first thing I would tell you is don't be afraid to cheat the church. If you need to cheat the church, cheat them because your daughter and your wife need you and need you as a priority. Uh, and you've got to be willing to cheat the church. And if it's like, Hey, I didn't work 40 hours a week for the next 10 weeks. I only worked 15, 20. Well then that's all. That's it. Be okay with cheating the church because Success outside the home never compensates for failure within it. You want to make sure that you're there for your family and that you're loving on them. If there is uh, any counseling that needs to get done, get it done. And uh, have and with, with you or, and or your wife or your wife by herself, don't be afraid to do that. Don't think that um, you know counseling is somehow not beneath you, but hey, I'm as a pastor. We shouldn't, you know, we should rely on the Lord and all that. And I get all that, but... Dude, I've seen many counselors for many different things in my life and because I know that I just needed someone to get through it and get the help um, that's needed. And those are the things that I, I think that are, I think as pastors, you, again, you got to be willing to cheat the church. And I think, and I say cheat the church for sure. Uh, but secondly is um, get the help that you need if you need it, you know, and uh, um be patient through it all. This is a big deal, you know, the background of your wife and the first baby and then now this and then now, you know, that's, that's big, you know. Uh, but um, and I think it's okay to bring in, if you haven't already, I think it's okay to bring in some 
key people on your team. You know, hey, this is what I'm going through. This is what's happening. Um, I may be a little more present some weeks than less. I just need you guys to be with me every step of the way. Um, there's no way to expedite it. There's no magic spell. There's no little pixie dust you can throw over it and go, it's going to make it all better and just be happy. That's just not reality. It's just a journey you're walking through. Um, and you got to be there for your wife and you got to, and you got to cheat the church. You got to be there for your wife. You've got to get the help you need counseling. Let's let a few people in on it that know that love you at the church, key leaders and walk through it a step at a time. And, uh, and that's what you can do. Uh, but your wife is the priority right now. You are a priest to your home first before you priest anywhere else. Uh, you know, I use the word priest, obviously, but uh, you're, you're a pastor to your home. I always say priest to your home. I think people, it sounds a little stronger, uh, but, <laughs> but you're, you're a pastor to your home first than you are anywhere else. And uh, so, yeah, man, uh, dude, that's, that's rough. What's your daughter's name? Mariana, Mariana Luz. Mariana, Mariana. Man, that's, that's, uh, but man, I'll be praying for you for sure. And before we, before we finish up the Zoom call, we should pray together. Uh, this, this, this podcast here, we should pray together. But is there anything else? Was that the final thing? Or was there anything else that you wanted to touch on? That today? was the final thing. I did have another question, but it, you answered it. It was about after, the aftermath of Easter, but you answered it pretty oh, okay. much in the first question you answered. Okay. So it's kind of like, I, I can kind yeah. of, well, yeah. Well, let me pray with you and then we'll wrap it up because, uh, and anybody that's watching this podcast, that just means they get to join us in prayer. So instead of a couple of us, there'll be a lot of us praying for and Mariana and, uh, man, I'd, I'd rather have a lot of people praying for Mariana if that's okay with you. And, sure. uh, so let's do that. Father, thank you so much for Alex. Thank you for his wife. Thank you for the church. Thank you for their heart. Thank you for how much they love you. They believe in you. And I pray for little Mariana and, and uh, their little baby and the things that she's going through. We pray, God, that, uh, Lord, that you would intervene. You're the great physician, that you would bring healing, that you'd bring wisdom, that you'd bring the right doctors. God, that we just place it comfortably into your hand, God, and we trust you. Proverbs teaches us, trust in the Lord with all your heart. Don't lean on your own understanding and all your way. Acknowledge him. And he'll make the path straight. So, God, we trust you, and we don't lean on our understanding because it doesn't make sense to us, but we lean on you. And so, Lord, we just give you this situation. We pray for healing. We pray for strength. We pray for peace. And we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you, Pastor Chris. Oh, absolutely. Hey, thanks for for being on the podcast today. And, and, uh, man, just uh, thank you for being a part of Church Boom. And I know you got coaching going on. I know you're in a cohort. I know you're starting to coach. And man, we, uh, we sure love you being a part of the Church Boom family. It's awesome. And we're going to keep praying for Mariana and uh, whatever we can do to help you, you just let us know. Yes, sir. Likewise. All right, buddy. All right. Thanks, man. Have a good day, bud.